We're going to get into a good word here this morning, but God's been doing some wonderful things, and including, as we had mentioned, I think a week or two ago, that we've started working uh, very closely with uh, Pastor and Elder Dave Lowry out in uh, Boise, uh, Idaho. So um, Dan and I had chatted a little bit about how he and Brian had worked together for a while, and still do, I mean, but very specifically, uh, two elders working together uh, there in Cali. And so uh, the Lord has willed it that uh, Dave and I do uh, some of the same things, um, and it's, it's really, really good. So we're, we're actively engaged now in working with the Boise people um, and <clears throat> teaching every other Wednesday. Dave and I are alternating uh, every other Wednesday uh, in their Bible study. Uh, so that's, uh, and I heard Dan announced it, uh, that you may not see me on Wednesday nights anymore, but that'll be why, so that we can be focused in and sometimes I still have to travel for work. So uh, being there uh, in the study and, and actively engaged there, uh, it, it's, I'll tell you, it's interesting because it's very different. I, I, I think sometimes that until you get out and you travel to the other churches, you don't realize every single one of our churches has a different personality. There's even a different level of the Word of God. There's a, there's a different consciousness in each and every single church. It's very interesting, actually, very fascinating. And so the Boise uh, Church sends their love, and, uh, of course, we keep them abreast of all things happening here in Chicago, as I will always do, um, because we know that this whole thing originated here, Right? It originated here. We are so blessed. That's really what I'm saying. I'm telling you, man, I've been thinking about how blessed we are and what God has doing. We're going to share a little bit about that this morning because there's a very specific thing that God has done for us, and we're going to talk about it. Let's go over to the book of uh, 1 John. This won't be the first time that I have preached from 1 John chapter 2, but I might focus on something a little more, maybe, than I have previously. But I do want to read, beginning in verse 15. Now, go read this whole chapter. In fact, you could read John's entire epistle. It's amazing. But in chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 15, John says, Love not the world. Well, we've been hearing some good preaching and teaching about that, right? you got to love God. But John says, don't love the world. So to love God, you can't love the world too, right? So he says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, that's plain. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away. You remember when Jesus said, if you win the world, if you gain the world, you could lose your soul? John is saying that world that you're after... Is going to pass away. So be careful chasing the world because it's something that's not eternal. You guys have heard me many times talk about changing your eternity, right? He says, therefore, the lust thereof, he said, is in that world, but that passes away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Don't you want to live forever? 
I heard one amen out of that. And I heard the same amen the second time. So Beth, Beth's in this thing for eternity. All right, we're good then. Little children, it is the last time as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us. They went out from us. Dan talked a little bit about that on Sunday, the division. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For they, if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And this, this verse 20 is what I really want to zone in on here. He said, but you have an unction from the Holy One. And you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Now, are you listening to what he said? How many times have you thought in your mind you don't have this? That you don't understand this? That you don't know what the truth is? That you don't know the right thing? That you don't know that God loves you and that you love God? How many times has that thought risen up? Did John make separation here and tell you that there's an us and there's a them? And they, which is the them, went out from among the us. But he said, they went out that they might be made manifest. But you, which are part of the us, you have an unction from the Holy One. In other words, you are not of them and they are not of you. God made clear separation between the two. And you say, well, what did God manifest them for? Because truly, truly, if you go all the way back to the beginning, were they not with us? Were they not there with us? It's just that another intent rose up. And they desired to go out from among us so they could do what? The same thing all of us have desired to do at times. Go be part of the world. Go live our lives. Go do what we want to do. Right? That goes back to that will thing Dan talked about. You have a will. So if you wanted to, you, you could have made a decision not to come here this morning. You could have made a decision to go do something other. But why are you here? Because you have an unction. Another word for that is anointing, and that's what I want to talk about. Do you guys understand that we have an anointing among us? God has anointed us. We have a very special anointing. This anointing has started from the very beginning to teach and guide us into all truth. Did we know the truth in the beginning? Did we know everything there was to know about God? Do we now know everything there is to know about God? Who does? Who among us? You guys might look up here at Dan or, or Keith and say, well, they, they must know everything there is to know about God. Everything, like from beginning to end, all eternity, all dispensations, all times, everything but i bet you if you ask him he'd say he's still learning right and that is the anointing 
The anointing does not put you in a place where you are alone. The anointing comforts you. It guides you. It teaches you. It leads you. It instructs you. It reproves you. It'll discern you. And it'll manifest you. Now you say, how do I know this morning which side of the fence I'm on? Well, I'm going to tell you very clearly. You are on the Lord's side. That's what side you're on. And if there was any question about that, let that question dissipate. Let that question mark, let that doubt, let it burn up this morning. And let the Holy Ghost be a truth in you that you have been called of God, that you are God's. That you are begotten of God from the very beginning. God never intended anything other. You have always been of the Lord. Just because that devil got in the way. Never changed. That you belong to God. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to speak very boldly this morning. I am begotten of God Keith. I am a son of the most high God. I have always been a son of God. Always. Doesn't mean that along the way we didn't lose our way sometimes. That we went left instead of going right. But you know, here's the wonderful thing about that. When God begins to manifest himself in you and he calls you his son, everything of hell rises up in you to counter that, to antichrist that, to oppose that. That's the devil's job if you haven't figured that out yet. Everything Satan tries to do is to do anti to the anointing or to the Christ. But God's anointing was given to us for one specific purpose. To finish everything he put into motion. To to activate that prophetic utterance that from the beginning, what God said would be, would come to pass. No matter what. That's why David said so boldly. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He never said I won't go. I wouldn't go. I can't go. He said when I do go. You're going to be with me. My cup is going to be full. In fact it's going to be overflowing. He didn't say there wouldn't be enemies. He just said I've got the anointing. The anointing is on me. The anointing is in me. The anointing is around me. The anointing supports me. It directs me, it guides me, it protects me, it covers me. We are not alone. And it is good to be in the house of the Lord because God has those that are here with us that help protect us and keep us and and teach us and instruct us and guide us. You remember Galatians 4, right? The young son of God, the young heir. Is he not under governors and tutors and bishops until the appointed time? You say, why does someone have to be over me? I had people ask me that at work. Why, why, why do I have to manage these people? These people never listen to anything that I say. Well, my answer to that is you're talking yourself right out of a job. Everybody needs to be managed. Everybody. Everyone needs a supervisor. Everyone needs a manager. Everyone. You say, wait, so are you saying Dan over there is my boss? Well, you call it any way you want to, but he's walking in an office that has given him authority and power over you. You say, oh, my God, that sounds like, uh, uh-uh, because it's a different kind of authority. It's an anointed authority, Keith. 
It's not the kind of authority that gives him the right to lord over God's heritage and use it as an intent just to be seen and worshipped of men. It's here because he can prophesy the word of the Lord and teach you into the will of God. That's a different kind of power. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It's not a power that is abusive. It's a power that is securing you, preserving you, guiding you, protecting you. In other words, if we were, uh, what is the word, Dan, the, the, uh, the, um, the hireling. If he was a hireling, when the wolf comes, what's a hireling that just does it for money? What's a hireling do? A hireling runs. This guy and this guy and Rick who's out in California right now and Brian and Dave and PK, these elders of God are not hirelings. When the wolf comes, you know what they do? They stand between you and the wolf. They stand between you and the devil. Why? Because they're anointed. Because they're called. Because they're chosen. You've got to understand God put this thing together in the beginning this way. And when you go read Hebrews 11, some fell for this particular reason, for such a time as this, because you need God. You need to be reminded that God loves you, and you have been. So what I'm encouraging you to do is embrace the anointing. Embrace what God has told you. Embrace the prophecy. Embrace, you think about the prophecy that Rick prophesied concerning the, the dead, men, dead men's bones. I was in that again recently, watching God's wind, watching God's anointing, watching God's Holy Ghost move from the four corners of the earth, move from the four corners of heaven. Angels breathing the breath of life into that valley of dead men's bones and God's spirit bringing the very flesh upon those bones. That's us. That's you. You say, well, You don't understand what has happened. You don't understand along this journey just how many enemies there have been. You don't understand how many struggles I've had. I think I do. I think I do know how powerful the depths of Satan can be. But you know what's greater than all of that? God's anointing. God's anointing that breaks every yoke. God's anointing that delivers you from every sin and everything of death, every captivity, every spirit that would latch a hold of you and deceive you and bind you and curse you and try to work against what God's will is for your life. That anointing breaks those yokes. That anointing breaks curses. That anointing delivers you from the cages of captivity. That anointing come from heaven it is by way of jesus christ and when jesus comes into this world that god according to ecclesiastes 3 has said into your heart when jesus comes into this world everything changes everything god's anointing begins to break things that you never thought were breakable god god's anointing begins to illuminate you in ways you never thought was possible God begins to give you that anointing and breaks that veil open and allows you to see into the spiritual plane things that you could not see before because your eyes were closed. You begin to hear things you never heard before because your ears were deaf. You begin to understand things that you never understood before because your heart was like a stone. 
But the anointing comes in and begins to provoke you and, and prick your heart. It's like Peter when he preached on the day of Pentecost. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Is it a truth that we live in a world that is corrupted and polluted and full of vile men? It absolutely, even in this life, we live in a very wicked world. But if you think about that world in you, there's a lot of wickedness there, isn't there? We've taught very recently that when the Son of God in you is redeemed and the man of sin is overcome, that man of sin may no longer have that wickedness in him. But that son is still in a world full of wickedness. Therefore, will that son, Keith, always have to deal with those things of wickedness? Can Satan rise up in another person in that world to oppose that man of God preaching the gospel of Jesus? You look at Philip. When Philip went to Samaria, he preached like a man of God on fire. I'm telling you, he, he brought the gospel of Jesus to the entire city of Samaria. But there was one there named Simon who was wicked and had made himself a great one in the eyes of the people. Now think about what I'm saying. I remember one of the first conversations Rick and I had when we spent two very intimate years together. Talking over a two-year period, we talked about the characters of God. We talked about the many different characters and how those characters are all in us. So if I look at this world, if, if I look at this world over here, if I look at the world in Keith, you've got the Son of God there, you've got Christ there, you've got the Anointed One there, you've got apostles there, you've got all these different gifts there, you've got deacons there. But do you also have wicked ones there? Because just in this story of Acts, you've got Philip preaching the gospel. And you've got Simon, who's made himself a great one, a sorcerer, who called himself a man of God. Imagine that. That's interesting. And he had seduced the people. We've seen this. We've experienced this. You've went through this. We've had men of God over us that were working in sorcery and witchcraft. You have experienced those things. How could you say otherwise? We've had evil men over us. Are you listening? We've had men that did not have our backs, if you will. We've had men that were dividers, not unifiers. We've had men that were after their own gain. And I've wore a few of those t-shirts myself, I can just tell you. There is an interesting thing, though, when God comes on the scene, when the gospel of Jesus Christ shows up and the purity of that word begins to go forth. It is a light into darkness. Samaria is now hearing this gospel, hearing this light, this gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached to the Gentiles. And the whole city comes after it. And this joker named Simon decides that He's going to believe this gospel. And it says in the scripture that he did so. He believed what Philip was preaching. Interesting. But then they called down Peter and John, the apostles of the living God, to lay hands on them to fill them with the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw what Peter was doing, what happened? He greatly lusted for that gift. 
And he said, I'll give you money for it. Now, it's interesting that Simon had believed the words that Philip said. But when the Holy Ghost, when the anointing of God came on the scene at the power that worked in Peter. To cause a great empowerment among the people that did believe the gospel. He was what? He was manifested to still be a devil. Now, interesting. Because if you just went on the premise that he believed what Philip said, you would have thought the guy got a conversion. But when the Holy Ghost came on the scene, what happened? He was manifested as a devil. And Peter put him straight, didn't he? Is that not what has happened so many times? Every time the word of God comes forth by the anointing. There are thoughts that rise up in us. And God is there to address those thoughts. If a Simon rises up, what's the Holy Ghost intending to do? It's obviously he doesn't desire at this time to be converted, truly be converted. Because he would have to depart from his intent. He would have to depart from his ways. He would have to stop beguiling the people, Keith. He would have to stop being a seducer and a liar And if you're not willing to do those things and lay down that life, then you stay in the bondage of that captivity and your eternity never changes. It remains. In other words, you remain in your sin. But for those that were there that did truly believe and the anointing by way of Peter comes on by the laying on of hands, did they not receive the Holy Ghost? Is that not what God is doing here? Is God not making clear separation that you are not of the one that is the beguiler, the deceiver, the devil, the serpent, the one that that lied from the beginning that Jesus said is a murderer from the beginning? You're not that one. That one was made manifest so that you would be aware of it and know it and not have to fall again to his deceits. Who you truly are is what God said you were, Marty, from the very beginning. A son of God. Full of an unction from the Holy Ghost. And once that anointing comes in, what do do you think that anointing does? Because I can tell you this, it doesn't fix everything like we think sometimes overnight. It doesn't come in and one day you're this and the next minute just all things have been settled The way I saw it with David going through that valley, it was a trip. It was a journey. It was going to last a little while. The valley was huge. The interesting part was is when you're standing on this side and you're looking through the valley to the other side, you see the reward on the other side. But when you're looking in that valley, you see all these dead men's bones. You see all of these these others that had tried to make the trip and didn't make it. They died in the valley, kind of like Israel dying in the wilderness. You guys know that we didn't start this trip to fail and die in the wilderness. We started this trip to make it. And what I'm telling you this morning is, is we're going to make it. We didn't start this to give up halfway through. We didn't start this to remain in sin. That's why when the word of God comes to us and God begins to provoke us. 
and challenge us because it is. It's a challenge. I'm telling you, man, everything in you gets challenged. When you're provoked, it gets challenged. That's what provoking means. Everything in your being, everything you've ever thought about God, every way you've thought about God, everything you've thought God is. God challenges it. The word of truth challenges that word, that belief in you, that false doctrine in you. If you love that false doctrine and you cleave to that versus coming into the truth, where do you remain? You remain in the false doctrine. But if God's word comes to you and provokes you, challenges you to think bigger to, to think with a, a larger mind, to think with, with more clarity, with more illumination. In other words, to let God shine light on the matter. That's, that's, what, the, that's what the unction is. That's, that's what the revelation is. The revelation of Jesus Christ, it's an appearing. It's God manifesting himself. See, we think sometimes that when God comes, he's, he's just here to manifest the devil. And we've preached this before. But he's really here to manifest Christ. There's no greater revelation than God showing you that Jesus is in you. Because if you get the revelation of Christ, everything else begins to fall by the wayside. Everything else slips away. And the only focus, Naomi, becomes Christ. It begins to become the only thing you see. And when you keep your eyes on Jesus, Peter only fell into those waters because he took his eyes off of Jesus. And I know why he took his eyes off. Because when you look down at those spiritual waters and you see those spirits under those waters, man, you're like, what the heck? Where'd those things come from? What are those things? And fear for a moment grips your heart. But if you keep your eyes on the Lord, all is well. Because you come to find out that actually everything in those waters is just a part of you that fell. Just the part of you that got deceived. The part of you that went out. The part of you that didn't believe. The part of you that was not part of the us in the beginning. That never fell. My God, that's powerful. Every time you think, I'm falling, I'm falling, I'm falling, I'm no good. I'm out. You have forgotten That two-thirds of you is still in heaven with God and never left. You forgot that you've always been the anointed of the Lord. That God's always been with you. That you've always loved the Lord. You forget because you're in death. If you're in that consciousness, you forget who you are. The anointing is what brings you back into remembrance. The anointing is what wakes you up. And I'm going to tell you right now, man, it's time for some angels to wake up. There's some angels that have been sleeping. And the anointing is here, Micah, to wake that angel up. To bring you out of those depths, out of those waters where you were deep asleep, bro. Deep asleep. But all it takes is one dissension from the mountain of God with the word of prophecy. To cry aloud and wake you from those depths. And once God does that, bro, it's go time. And all of hell knows it. The devils know it. Your flesh knows it. Everything in you knows it because God begins to shake you. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. 
And everything that cannot remain at the shaking of God is going to fall away. God's going to burn it up, man. That's what God's doing in you right now, bro. I was thinking about you this morning in that visitation of God. That the prophetic word of the Lord, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, has called you from those depths. That's what God does. His anointing breaks yokes. His anointing calls you forth. And it does not matter. I'm just to be honest with you. It does not matter how many times you have fallen, how many times you have sinned. When you look at the angel in the book of Revelations and how many times he digressed and could have heard the word of the Lord, but he continued to fall away until it all went out. Everything that didn't believe God, it went out. But then when God takes you back to that beginning, and I think Dan wrote a message on it called the do-over. When God takes you back to that beginning... And he begins to talk to his son. It's like you're hearing God for the very first time. And you get to do it right this time. It's like God coming back in time. And showing you. You remember that dream you just had? You remember that dream Adam you just had? The whole dream. You remember it? It was pretty bad wasn't it? Full of good and evil. Full of pharaohs. Full of devils. Full of all kinds of evil men of sin. But there were some prophets there too. You remember those guys? That was me talking to you. That was my anointing guiding you. I was always there to teach you and guide you and to show you why you came to this place. Now can we have a good conversation about what just happened? Could you imagine, man? Could you imagine waking up and God being right there and say, now let's talk about what just happened. Let's talk about this trance. Let's talk about this dream. Let's talk about the going out. Let's talk about it. Now you got something to talk about, don't you? Now you're understanding what God was trying to teach you. Because it happened. It, I'm telling you, it happened. Consciousness is very, very real. You don't believe me? Go have a dream tonight and dream about the going out. It'll be very real. You can, you can be in a dream in death and have all kinds of enemies around you and you can't find your way out. You're in trouble. You're just dreaming, but you're in trouble. Some of you are thinking right now, hmm, I, I, uh, I relate to that. I've had those dreams. You ever had a dream you're being chased by a murderer? You ever had a dream that you're being hunted? You ever had a dream that, and, and, and it works in both male and female, you ever had these things where spirits are working against you to destroy you? Do you guys understand that the anointing of the Holy Ghost has come here to you to visit you here and now to let you know that huntress cannot destroy you? All you got to do is believe the word of Jesus and you'll come right out of it. She actually doesn't have that kind of power if you just believe the good word of God. And God can remove, what I'm saying is God can remove you from such a dream in a moment. Now it'd be different if Dan goes into a dream like that so he can discern the whole matter. But I, I assure you that wouldn't be something that's working in his spirit. That would be something God is showing him for one of you. Huge difference. That's the difference between the word of God coming to you and you being in a sin. 
Very different. If God sends you into sin and death, he sends you as a son of God to prophesy the word of the Lord and to deliver someone from that bondage. And just like Jesus in the gospels, when devils would come to him, what would they do? Did they have power over him? Or did they just yell out, scream out? What, what, what have you to do with us, Jesus? Are you, are you here to destroy us? Why, why, why did you come? Jesus went into the devil's world and show him who God was. He showed the devil firsthand in the wilderness who God was. He was born into the flesh of Adam, full of sin and death, full of good and evil, and showed the devil who God is. Now you take that and put that in your heart. What has Jesus come to do in you? Has he not come to show you who God is? Has he not come to show you that you're in Christ and Christ is in you? And that Christ is the hope of glory? And that everything that has ever worked in your consciousness that has tried to draw you away and seduce you into the things of this world? That Jesus Christ has come by his anointing to deliver you from it? And not just for a moment, not, not just for a season. Those, those religious thoughts, like you've got to be on this roller coaster where God's only with you part of the time and the rest of the time, you're just going to have to suck it up and bear with it. No, I'm telling you that you can walk in this world free. I mean made free and never back in bondage again. I'm talking about a permanent solution, a permanent salvation. Something that God does in you. I've already clarified that there's still thoughts in the world that God will send you to and you'll go after. But I'm talking about the Son of God right now. You will walk free. Anointed. Know who you are. Believe who you are. Walk as the Lord. John said it perfectly. You say you love God, but you hate your brother. You love God who you haven't seen, but you hate your brother who you have seen. You're a murderer. You're still in darkness and full of sin. That's what John said. He said, if you truly love the Lord, should you not walk even as he walked? Is that not what God's been teaching us? How to walk just like Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that we're going to see like him, hear like him, have a heart like him. How'd you like to have the heart of Jesus? How'd you like to have the compassion Jesus had, the faith Jesus had? You say, my God, that's... That's too beyond me. No, it's not. You have an unction. The anointing, the word of God that has been spoken to you has empowered you. Time you rise up. Time you stand up. Time you believe that. Time you count yourself worthy. Time you say, God, I believe that. I agree with that. I accept that. I'm going to walk in that. That's a choice. And I remember one time when Rick said, you've already made your choice. I heard him tell Dan the same thing and many others. You've already made your choice. It was made a long, long time ago, meaning I made my choice before this life even began. But isn't it amazing how you'll go through an entire lifetime and you'll struggle with sin and death because you just haven't remembered yet who you are, but the moment The moment the quickening comes, Keith, the moment the anointing arrives, the moment Jesus shows up on the scene, the moment the angel of the Lord visits you, 
The moment God opens the heavens and lets you see spiritual things, the moment God undoes that blindness, he takes that little G and puts him in his place and anoints you, you begin to see things as they truly are. Because I'm going to tell you something about the trickster. I'm going to tell you something about the sorcerer real quick. He works in fascinations, in wonderments. He works in fantasy. It's all delusional. So the dream he gives you is delusional. That's why God warned us in Deuteronomy 13. If you've been talking to me for the last several weeks, you, you've heard some of that because I'm going hot and heavy after some of those things in my own world included. That false prophet, that interpreter of dreams, that fantasier, that delusionist, I should say illusionist, because he has the ability to give power to the image. He gives life to the image. The problem is it's not the image God intended. He'll give you the fantasy you've always wanted. He'll give you the thing your heart has always desired. You know how Jesus overcame that? He went to the wilderness. And though that was in his flesh, and that flesh rose up and offered him all the glories of the world, the moment he saw that vision, because I'm going to promise you it was a vision, he saw it. That devil worked the imagination of it, and he showed it to Jesus. And when Jesus saw it, he, he knew who he was. Sometimes when we see those things, we begin to question who we are. And we're like, hmm, I'm not sure. Should I go this way or that way? That's not how it worked with Jesus. When Jesus saw it, it was an immediate. You shall worship the Lord your God and only him shall you serve. I want nothing you have to offer. You can keep the glories of your world. I will not be king of this world. I am the king of heaven. And the manifestation of that when he spoke to Pilate was the very same thing. I could have legions right now. 10,000 angels could come and get me. But for this purpose was I born. Jesus knew who he was. He was anointed to go to Calvary. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. But I, I'm just going to tell you, you cannot go to your death without the anointing. The anointing leads you to the cross. The anointing leads you to your death. The anointing keeps you in your burial. And the anointing is the thing that raises you from the dead. We have the anointing. So you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of dying. Losing that world. You don't have to be afraid of the burial. You don't have to be afraid of those dark waters. You don't have to be afraid of the spirit plane. You don't have to be afraid of any of it. The anointing is with you. You guys are under a covering. And when I say guys, I'm talking about you ladies too. You are under a covering, a very special anointed covering. It's beautiful, man. How many have the anointing? You walk in that. You cherish that. Don't you, don't you sit here and think, well, if I had the anointing, then I'd be, I'd be seeing like Dan, or I'd be preaching like this one, or I'd be teaching like this one, or I, I, I'd be like Rick. That, that's the anointing. That's what you guys think is the anointing. 
I'm just going to tell you, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have the anointing. The anointing is among us. God's called you out of death into life. You guys have been born of prophecy. You have been born of God. You just got to remember it. And that's what the anointing is here to do. Those dead men's bones, they're getting raised up. God's fulfilling his prophetic word. Because he has anointed us and the spirit of the Lord is among us. God's will is going to be done. No devil's going to tell us otherwise. Amen? Love you guys.